Welcome to Marketing in Times of Crisis. It's where I get to chat to interesting business leaders about the steps that they're taking to weather the current crisis. They'll also reflect on what they did to overcome past recessions like the crash in 2008. I hope you enjoy it and learn as much as I did. It's Thursday, the 2nd of July. I'm your host, Ayo Aves, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Crisis. Today's guest is Celeste Bolte, who is a communication specialist plus head of Bowerbird UK. She's knowledgeable, has an opinion, and knows her architectural comms onions, which is why she's our guest today. Um, hi, Celeste. Thanks for coming on. Can you tell me a bit more about you and your roles? Hi, Ayo. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Uh, Yes, I can. Uh, I'm a comms specialist and consultant, and I've been working with architecture and fashion and technology practices, clients and businesses for around the last eight years now. You can probably tell uh, from my accent that I did not hail from the UK originally. So Melbourne in Australia is uh, is my hometown. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I relocated over to London last year to uh, lead the expansion of Bowerbird here in the UK. So can you tell me a bit more about Bowerbird? Sure. So Bowerbird is a platform used by architects and journalists to exchange projects and get projects published in a whole range of publications. Um, We set up the platform about seven years ago. So Ben and Nick are the two co-founders and they really came uh, to the platform after sort of coming to this problem of finding it, um, making sure that uh, smaller studios could, uh, you know, reach journalists. So Nick, being an architect, was really struggling to see his work published and Ben, the design journalist, was looking for more good projects by such a great variety of architecture studios. And the platform was kind of that easy fix, you know, it makes sure that architects can reach journalists but also creates a really great resource for publications and journalists looking for interesting design content. And so far, I guess during lockdown, what 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 have you seen that's been changing in terms of what architects are doing PR-wise and, and I guess communications-wise? I think the lockdown's been a really interesting time for a lot of practices. I mean, in my work, I speak to um, many, many practices in the UK and also lots of journalists and photographers as well. And I think the real change um, has just been kind of, I think, and this is echoed in in many areas, but uncertainty. I think a lot of um, studios aren't quite sure what to do and are not really sure what steps to take. You know, do you sort of go hard and and really want to sort of sell the platform or sell your practice at this stage or should you sort of hold off and wait and see if things pick back up? So just kind of figuring out what works for each practice has been um, quite a learning curve, I think, for different studios. Something that I have seen that has been quite consistent is um, practices are coming to their marketing. I think, you know, when you're running a practice and you're, um, you know, maybe a director or you've got practice of, you know, quite a few people, marketing is probably the last thing that will chase you. Your clients will chase you, your staff will chase you, your consultants will chase you. And marketing, um, it won't. So journalists aren't going to keep pounding your door for that photo. They'll they'll go find a different practice to feature in uh, Yeah, because the there'll story. be enough people lined up to actually sit there and go, hi, I've got this. Do you want to see it? And it might yes. not even be as good yes. as yours. Yeah. Exactly. So um, 
I think something that has happened in the last few months is that studios are starting to get on top of their marketing and comms. And even kind of taking a step further back from that, I think a lot of studios are starting to just reassess their messaging and figuring out what it is that they actually want to say when they're reaching out to new uh, clients and, and new staff. And in terms of practices, are there particular people that are doing it really well that you've been seeing or or have suddenly sort of come to the fore during lockdown that you've noticed? I think um, the practices that I've seen who have done well throughout this time have acted with empathy. They have, um, but there are also practices that have good communications behaviours in place already. I think there's quite a common saying of, if you think you need to start marketing to get the next job, it's almost too late. And I think that does ring true without trying to, um, (laughs) you know, sort of have a a grim view without trying to put anybody off. But I think good communications is about consistency and it's about having good behaviours in place to make, make sure that you can really weather any storm. I think we saw in 2008 during the global financial crisis, a lot of practices axed staff and really the first ones to go are those who uh, maybe don't bring in you know, the bottom line. You're not a fee earner. Yeah. yeah, you're not a fee earner. You know, you're... I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I was in Arab, actually. I got, I was out yeah. in the first round of Arab, literally, um, in 2009, April 2009. So absolutely, mm-hmm. I mean, support is always, the always hit the worst. And if you look at, I think it's about 5,000 redundancies so far this year during lockdown is what building's yeah. reporting. Um, and you know a lot of those will be support staff, HR, marketing, yeah. anything that isn't a fee earner. Mm. But really, those functions are so critical to practice because, you know, the marketing and comms teams, they're the ones who translate your ideas and have the strategic nows to get you in front of the people who are going to be paying those fees in the future. So it's really important to make sure that studios really value comms and make sure that they do set themselves up with a really good comms plan, a great comms team consultant or agency or staff member. Um, to make sure that you can sort of get through any tough times. So, yeah, I would say that the practices that I've seen during comms well lately are those that have good behaviours in place. And that's not necessarily about having a massive budget and a massive team, but it comes down to just understanding that comms is important and it has to be part a central part of your practice from the outset. I agree. I think it's about making it, I guess, a priority and part of who you are as a business. Mm -hmm. And actually, there are many practices that have the purpose and the values. I think sometimes they just don't know how to share that yep. or how to, I guess, bring it to life or, or translate that into stories. Um, I guess um, as you've got more of a kind of international perspective, I mean, are there different variations you've seen in terms of how practices mark, market themselves in UK practices and, or say, Australian practices? Not so much. Um, I think that good um Good behaviours that I've seen within marketing and comms in architecture, um, both in Australia and the UK, focus on a really good marketing mix. So, yeah. I mean, every I, mean, I guess every market and context is different. Obviously, Australia has a much smaller uh, population, a much smaller community, but we have a similar size market in the way that we have a lot more space. There's room for developments. There's room for investment, and we have a lot of overseas investment. So yeah. the market size um, is, uh, you know, definitely um 
it's definitely growing. Yeah. Uh, but what I've seen in terms of sort of the differences in the way that Australian and UK practices uh, do market themselves is not so much a difference in the marketing, but probably more of an emphasis on different activities. I think any any practice can employ a really good marketing mix to get themselves in front of uh, potential staff, potential clients, potential stakeholders. And I think the marketing mix activities that we generally see are what they're probably publishing, awards, social media, website, thought leadership, events, and yeah. um, probably um, sort of thought leadership. Oh, I sort of, yeah, thought leadership sort of um, articles <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. They've been really important at the moment. And I think different regions focus on different activities or depending on, you know, what that sort of market needs at that time. So in the UK, I've noticed that there's a really strong um, really strong event scene. You know, there's a lot of fantastic architectural events there going are. on. A lot, a lot. And really I think that's because there's just four people in, in London and in the community over here. There's probably less events in Australia, but that would uh, be because our community is a lot smaller. Okay. And have you been taking part in the kind of virtual events that have been going on during lockdown? There's been so Have many, you found those? Oh, there has been tons. Um, <laughs> I found them really, really educational. I think they've been um, a really good way to stay connected and I've certainly enjoyed having access to events that I didn't have access to before, maybe because yeah. of location or timing. Um, so that's been wonderful. It has made, uh, I think lockdown has made events a lot more accessible. Um, Which I think is brilliant, yeah. Yes. Uh, particularly for people with children or who are not living sort of in a central area. Absolutely. That we can all sort of attend and maybe the playing field's leveled out a little. Um, I think it has. I mean, I've been doing networking events and we've had exactly that same discussion of, you know, this normally takes place in London. I work, I live in, you know, Reading. I wouldn't normally be able to get there. And it's that kind of thing. And actually, I think it's made it more open to women. Yes, yes. Definitely. And I think as well, a lot of events come with the, um, you know, have a couple of glasses of wine. And if that's not your cup of tea, then maybe you sometimes feel boxed out from those kinds of of parties as well. So I've heard people say that it's been enjoyable to just sit at home with a a cup of tea and sort of be able to listen and, um, you know, take part, even though it's, uh, you know, maybe still the networking event where everyone else is having a glass of wine. Yeah, I, I guess you have more of the choice. And yeah. I, I think one of my kind of criticisms of events in general in the past few years, because I was a mum, you know, evenings I wouldn't be able to get out. So, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to attend or not, you know, and I think it's having more things that are at different times of the day and, and suit different groups. And I think that's yeah. the thing that's come out of lockdown is actually you can make things more accessible yeah. and, more, and more successful quite often. Yes. Yeah. I've seen quite a few events that I've previously attended in person before lockdown. You know, their their attendeeship has, you know, doubled, tripled even just because we can fit more people in a virtual space than in a physical one. So exactly. So it can also have business of it, business potential and impacts and, and be very, very positive. So, yeah. and also people can dial in afterwards. If I couldn't make it, I could still yes. come in and listen, which I think yeah. is another thing. Yeah, it's been wonderful um, to sort of see some of these festivals, like, for example, the Zoomed In Festival. I was a panellist in a discussion about the architectural image and yeah. I wanted to share that with um, some friends back in Australia, but obviously the timing didn't work. 
um, them being nine hours behind. So, oh, sorry, in front. So I was able to sort of send them a recording afterwards. And it's great because we now also have this portfolio of um, content or at least resources that we can kind of look back on or share. Um, and it just creates sort of a greater awareness, not only of that event that you've done, but or maybe also of your expertise. That's a good point, actually. I mean, you also host a podcast, don't you? You can tell us a bit more about that, what you've been doing there. Yeah. So I'm hosting a YouTube series at the moment um, for Never Too Small. It's a special lockdown series called Small Living. And in the series, the... um, so Never Too Small is run by Numac Agency and they're a video production company. And they've previously travelled the world and filmed tiny spaces. So usually apartments that are 40 square metres or less that have been redesigned to have, um, you know, not only a beautiful sort of interior but really excellent functionality. So we've gone back and sort of looked through the episodes and chosen some uh, designers that we've previously filmed and I've interviewed them about um, small living and maybe some city trends and trends that we're seeing within urbanism in new places and what that means for the way that we're living in urban um, cities. And that series has been absolutely amazing. I mean, Never Too Small has a million plus subscribers on their channel. They usually see around um, a couple of hundred thousand views per episode. And the same has been going for Small Living, this special series. It's been so well taken up. And I think the series um, has really struck us as something that's been an opportunity and and a testing ground. Uh, I know Never Too Small have not done such long episodes before. Usually their episodes are about five minutes, whereas these shows, the Small Living episodes, are about 20 to 25 minutes. And they don't only feature interviews with architects about small spaces, but they also look at ways you can style your home, so featuring YouTuber Benita Larson in Stockholm. Um, They look at um, sort of recipes that you could make at home with Pylin from Pylin's Kitchen in Canada. So bringing in lots of um, contributors to create a bit more of a lifestyle show has been um, a really interesting sort of experiment for them. But in what other time would you have this opportunity to experiment this way i think something that lockdown has presented us with is a unique to test a unique time to test things absolutely i think it's also come with this awareness um that we don't always have to get this right you know everyone's kind of giving something a go and if it doesn't work that's okay it's lockdown it doesn't have to work (laughs) well that's the thing i mean i i last year i was working in the edtech market and one of the things that you know people try things quickly you try yeah. things quickly, see if they work. And if it doesn't, you can move on. And I think that's definitely something we as the built environment industry can learn from. Mm. Um, I guess because you're using kind of a lot of the kind of newer communications channels, so podcasts, YouTube channels, videos, are there kind of any things that you think architectural firms or the built environment specialists should should be considering as part of this new world marketing mix, as it were? Absolutely. I think video is um, going, well, should be central to everybody's marketing plans. Um, I was speaking to one of the heads of Mass Collective, Henry Boyd, recently, and he quoted a statistic, which was something like 80% of um, buildings, new buildings are now experienced or buildings are now experienced virtually by 80% of their audiences. And what that means is, um, the world is becoming more globalised. We have more access to digital technologies to allow us to visit places, visit yeah. in inverted commas. 
So, for example, if there's a new uh, museum opening in China, for example, let's say the National Maritime Museum by Cox Architecture in Tianjin, I'm not going to be able to go to Tianjin, but I can do the virtual walkthrough. Um, And so I think that uh, we can always sort of look to sort of more global audiences and not just the localised audiences when either looking to drive traffic to a building or sort of share that experience. So video is a fantastic way to bring people into a space and to sort of understand the design solutions of a building or a, or a region. Um, I think also sort of those virtual walkthroughs. I mean, I moved house amid lockdown and the only way that I you could... You did, didn't you? I did. And the only way that I could uh, view the property was through a virtual walkthrough, um, which in itself was... A very interesting experience. <laughs> um, How do you get the sense of scale? Because I'm always not very good at scale when I look at, you know, flat plans. I, yes. I just don't have a clue. So how mm. in the virtual world do you do that? I think video is so important there. I don't yeah. think that, I mean, VR, maybe if you've got people within yeah. uh, that sort of those films um, can really help. But I think that's where video is so important because you need to film a space populated. A space yeah. doesn't work and you can't get a sense of it unless there's no one in it. Um, we had a meeting, one of our my colleagues at Bowerbird had a meeting in LA with a practice who were doing a double height glass facade atrium in a building. Yeah. And there was a construction worker sort of, you know, walking in front of the iPhone photo. And as soon as you put your hand over that construction worker, the whole building just shrank and you lost sort of the sense that it was a double height space. Perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So making sure that, um, you know, people are in either your marketing photography or your marketing films is so central to sort of also conveying that experience. Do you know what? It's interesting from episode one um, in Stride to and they were saying that as well. And it's about, mm. it's, you know, we're building spaces for people and, yeah. and, sh- and showing them in, their real, in, in use and in their real context is, is so important. And I think it's it's along that vibe and that theme, isn't it? Rather than just to kind of, you know, here's, here's a CGI or something else. It's like, no, this is real. This is for people. Mm, absolutely. Okay. I think it's interesting that you also sort of mentioned other technologies for podcasts, like this fantastic one. I love them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all starting to um, maybe investigate podcasts. I mean, technology is so accessible now you know I mean I'm using a microphone um that I've used previously for the never too small interviews and I'm able to sort of you know we've got better sound quality it's quite accessible you know these technologies are really cheap and there are a lot of platforms out there that you can use to either edit audio or um lots of consultants as well that you can sort of use to get things done quite quickly absolutely yeah so I think a lot of practices are starting to think about what they can do in terms of offering just a bit more insight into their process because that is really the golden um I think a golden that's thing what they're about selling you're selling yeah. your processes and how and and your thought process and your experiences and how that actually goes into your design Yes, and it's and it's if you can find ways to articulate that story, bring it to life, and that could be mm-hmm. podcasts of you talking, it could be video, it could be words, you know, it could be an infographic. I think mm-hmm. the more kind of richer mix that you have, the more engaged that your audience will be, yes. and actually that's where your value is. That's that's how you justify your fees and your margins, which is going to going to become more important now. Yeah. And I think it's 
being able to kind of tell that story and not, it's not just this finished building, but this is how we work together to achieve it. Yeah. I think that that's where you find the golden nuggets of content to me. I think so, yeah, storytelling is, is so important. I mean, it's, it's not a new idea. It's certainly something that's been happening for a long time still, but only yeah. a few practices have been really, really good at it. And, you know, as we do have, you know, now access, we, we now have access to more technology. We've got access to more publications. The public now have access to architecture in a way they've never had before. So there's a very yeah. unique opportunity presented to architecture at the moment, and that is to sort of capitalise on a greater awareness, the public's greater awareness of design and what it can do for our lives. Because, you know, previously we had publications in the 1800s. It was only the architectural journals. It was in sort of, you know, into the sort of 50s and 60s we had desktop publishing yeah. Um, sort of happened and we had interiors and home-focused publications. And not until the dot-com boom did we really see publications like uh, Jazine and Arc Daily and Design Boom take off. Yeah. So now the biggest change to architectural publishing in the last sort of however many hundred years has been Instagram. Everyone can access architecture. It may be on a surface level. It might be that image looks nice, but it's still an initial awareness. And architects can really build on that awareness by getting their work published in more places that aren't just architectural specific um, sort of audiences. So looking outside the trade journals, looking outside uh, sort of more specific, maybe detail focused publications to yeah. national press, lifestyle press, websites, I think even it's social media actually going, going where your actual audiences are, where yeah. your clients actually live and hang out. Because I think it's great to be in the AJ, but actually how many clients are reading it or is it more about your peers? Yeah, I think every publication, everywhere that you're published has value. Um, you know, if you're looking to hire or retain staff and build a sense of brand within the profession, getting published in trade press is fantastic because yeah. internal comms and looking after your staff is just as important as bringing uh, new, new um, you know, potential clients in. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but you've definitely, yeah, there's definitely an opportunity there for architects to reach a wider variety of audiences through submitting their projects to a greater variety of publications. Okay. So in terms of the next few months where we're kind of transitioning out of lockdown, mm. are there particular things that you think practices should be doing, considering doing just to keep going, I guess, keep on track? I think it's a really good time to be proactive. I think, yeah. you know, if we look back at sort of, you know, from March to what sort of July, we would say that it would be a nice time to be empathetic, maybe to plan ahead. But now is the time really to put things into action. So, you know, the industry is picking back up, you know, our sort of our cities and um, towns are opening up again. Shops are opening, restaurants as well. Um, so things are changing and the public mood is changing. So it's a good time to be proactive. Get your work published, you know, build your audience and, and make a plan to have good communications behaviours in place for any future potential mishaps. So what I mean by that is not so much um, going and Conscious. hiring, you know, spending a whole lot of money on marketing comms, but just setting up 
some good processes so that your marketing can work for you and that you don't have to work at it so heavily. I, I guess it's having that framework, right? You know, th- yeah. this is the structure of what we do now. We capture things in this way and it yeah. just, just just actually having that together. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Don't just think you have to do, you know, social media. It's all right, well, we're going to have social media, but, you know, when we get published, we're going to share that article on social media and then we'll put that on our website and then we'll disseminate yeah. that through our newsletter. And then, you know, our directors might share that on LinkedIn. It's, you know, having those processes in place is really important so that you've got your comms set up to almost run, um, to run really seamlessly alongside the rest of the work that you're doing to sort of get your projects in. And actually it could literally just be a simple checklist of four things like you've just said, right? This is what we do in time we get a piece, this, this and this. Exactly. That's it. And you've got that process set up. And just finding tools to sort of help you automate as well. I mean, comms is so personal it's about storytelling but every practice of any practice of any scale can do comms really well you could be working one day a week on you know building your practice up while you're still working for a big studio or you could be a massive practice with a thousand staff doesn't matter what end of the scale you sit at good comms is just about understanding that you need to do it and accepting that and using the tools to help you make that work. Maybe that's Bowerbird. Maybe that's a social, a social media scheduling dashboard. Maybe yeah. that's getting a consultant in to help you a day a month. Um, find but it's what's just going actually to work making, yeah, just making yeah. some kind of priority for it, right? Exactly. Make the space for it. Dedicate that uh, that time. Maybe it's just an hour every week on something like Bowerbird or something like um, Hootsuite um, where you just get yourself ready for the next month. Yeah. And on to my final two questions. So in terms of marketing at the moment, are there any particular campaigns during lockdown that you've seen that you seen or admired? Well, it would be amiss of me not to mention the Black Lives Matter campaign that's been going on globally. I think yeah. this is less focused on an architect um, or a practice building their brand, but I think it's something that a lot of practices have spoken to. So this has been a really interesting time and a big you know obviously this is a we've seen some horrible events that have been catalysts for social change on a global scale which is incredible um but i have to say something that i've loved about the black lives matter campaign is the um i guess sort of after the protests campaign and after sort of our black tuesday back in june it Mm. was the sort of idea that this is a movement not a moment and I think yeah. that in itself, carrying on the work that needs to be done has been incredible. So I've really admired that. And I also think it's about people saying, actually, we're going to hold you to account. You say you're yeah. going to do this. We're going to check back in a year and make sure you are. Yeah, um, exactly. But it's quite interesting, though. I mean, I've seen people put on events and talks and they've said, well, actually, this has been our lowest turnout. So I think mm-hmm. as a built environment, I do think we've got a lot of work to do yeah. and accept that there is an issue there. Absolutely. Um, but guess, it's a, it's an exciting time, I guess, to be in the industry and and see how it actually does deal with this. Yeah, and I mean, it ties so nicely into um, the work of the Stephen Lawrence Trust as well. Yeah, um, and I think timing wise, the sort of it was a Stephen Lawrence Day was um, April, wasn't it? April, yes, and that's kind of I think conversations from there have continued through and maybe even been amplified by the Black Lives Matter um, sort of movement at this time. So that's been really, really interesting. And I've been so interested to see how practices have responded and and sort of who's come out and said, you know, that they support um, the movement and, and also those who haven't. Like that's been quite interesting as well. Yeah. Um, 
Some other campaigns that I've really enjoyed are those from studios showing how they're working at home. I think this is a beautiful, very humanizing um, sort of way to share how your studio has adapted and worked. I know Stanton Williams did a beautiful series on their Instagram stories of Stanton Williams at home. I thought that was really lovely. Um, Definitely. I've seen a few as well that have been really beautiful, but I've also loved, there's been a lot of sketches and people mm. doing sketches at home and competitions and things, yeah. which I've loved because you're just going, there is so many talented people out there as well. Yeah. So that's actually been one of some of my favourite stuff that I've seen. I can't remember whose I've seen, but I have seen a few of them and gone, they've got lots of talented people. Yeah. I was recently, um, I recently joined the Architecture Club, so a group in London. Oh, I know. And yeah. the... Uh, the sort of activities we've been doing as a group but all separate from home have been really beautiful as well you know we've got a portrait series um, a series of um, sort of views outside our windows so photos submitted to create a bit of a gallery and it's created a real collection of different perspectives of of lockdown and sort of how individuals are dealing with it and I think something I like about the architecture club is that the membership isn't made up of solely architects you know I'm not an architect um and now he's got engineers it's it's, it's a it's a broad mix isn't it people, yeah. comms, people who yeah. are just enthusiasts which is so so lovely and it's created sort of the sort of activities that they've done you know looking either through the portrait series or the window series have really created quite a nice diverse collection of experiences that have sort of we've all lived throughout this time which has been wonderful yeah. And on to my final question. Um, what one tip would you give to business leaders about how they should be marketing themselves during this current crisis? I think my one tip would less be about marketing themselves and more about get your house in order. <laughs> I'd say okay. plan and give plan and create good foundations now. Um, obviously look at what you're doing, assess what you've already done and assess where you are and then find a way to make that better because that's what a lot of studios are doing now and your competition is going to be trickier. You know, you're going to have a a lot more, um, great stories coming out from your, from your peers and your competitors. So make sure that your comms is up to scratch. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Celeste. It's been really, really enjoyable and completely different take and slant on marketing. Um, Really loved it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing in Times of Crisis. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to tune in. Check out the show notes for useful links, including my website, where you can find out more about everything featured today and how to get in touch. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you've heard, please do subscribe so that you never miss an episode and more people get to hear about us. 